You know, I've, uh, I've been traveling a lot, and uh, my closest friends outside of my family are pastors. And you could never find a better pastor and pastor's wife than the one that God has given you right here at Faith Assembly. Amen? It's true. And we live out in uh, close to the Space Coast area, and so uh, it was a nice drive this morning right over uh, to, the, to the church today. And I want to commend you for being here, and I also want to speak to those online. It's great to have you online, and thank God for your life and your ministry as well. You know, the other day, uh, I was on a plane in April, and I was flying in the midst of the pandemic. And I came to the conclusion that pandemics can have their privileges. Now, I don't think I'm making light of sickness and death. I've had friends that have become extremely ill and know of some individuals who have passed away. And, but sometimes um, pandemics can have privileges. I uh, got dropped off out here at the Orlando International Airport and walked inside and nobody was there. I walked right up to the front of the TSA line. There wasn't anybody else there. It took me two minutes to get through uh, security, and I was on the other side. I got a private tram that took me all the way out to the concourse. Nobody else was on the tram. I got off that tram, and it was easy to walk through the concourse, not bumping into anybody. I really enjoyed the walk. And then I walked out to gate 74. That's where Delta takes off, and, and one of the gates are out there. And, and I got a private jet. I mean, it was incredible. I, it wasn't a small jet. It was a 757 jet. And uh, there were about three or four of us on that plane. I mean, I could have thrown a football back and forth. We could have done, we could have done some great things on that flight. And I was flying to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I got off the plane, and I walked up to the Hertz counter. And the gentleman said, you can have any car you want. I said, well, this is great. I said, can I have a Cadillac? He said, I've got three kinds. I, and I said, I'll take the white one. And so he said, that's fine. You can have it. And I went over to the hotel, and I walked up to the counter, and I said, uh, ma'am, is anybody else staying here? And she said, no, you're the only one here tonight. And I thought to myself, I get an entire hotel. I don't just get a room. I get a hotel. I thought to myself, this goes on quite a while. My expectation level is going to go up. I'm going to expect every airport to empty out. I don't want anybody in line. I want private tram service to the concourse. I'm going to require a private jet no matter where I go. I want the car of my choice. And I'll say to the pastor, no longer do I want a room. I want a hotel when I get there. <laughs> Pandemics have their privileges. You know, instead of a pandemic, we ought to have a plan-demic. And in the midst of the pandemic, we ought to have a prayer-demic. And mixed in with a play-demic also. Why would you not want to have fun in the midst of it all? And you know, God knows what's going on. And when the virus began, it didn't catch God by surprise. Now, I appreciated Pastor Carl saying something about church attendance. And I'm going to say something about it. And I haven't said it yes, last night or today, other services, but I want to say something. Because Pastor Carl made reference to a very important passage in Hebrews 19 and following. It says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Do you know why the Hebrews 11 chapter, the great hall of fame of chapter was ever written? It was to inspire people not to quit. He says, don't shrink back like the others do. And then he says, I know that you won't. 
And he wrote the entire Hebrews 11 chapter of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Rahab and Moses. And, and the list goes on and on to inspire the church not to quit. Now, don't miss what I'm about to say. There is only two references of the assembling in the New Testament. One is in Hebrews 10 and the other is in 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, the assembling is in the air. Hebrews 10, the assembling is on the ground. The assembling on the ground gets us ready for the one in the air. And if you don't have time for the one on the ground, how are you going to have time for the one in the air? And if you're not getting ready for the one on the ground, how are you going to get ready for the one in the air? I know what people say. I don't have to go to church in order to be the church. I understand the church is not the body, but the church does meet. The church does meet. And I understand that God's presence is everywhere, even though that God's presence is everywhere, it's uniquely here that it isn't everywhere else. It's true. And you can download a touch from God that you can get right here. Understand that. And even though God is everywhere, God is uniquely here that he isn't everywhere else. That is both true in the Old and the New Testament. And even though the church is not a building, the body does meet in a building or in a van or in a bus or under a tree. It does meet. And when the church does meet, God's presence is real. And we don't need less of the assembling. We need more of the assembling, especially in the time of pandemic. And somebody said amen. Now, I, I could say a whole lot more about that, but that's not what I'm here to preach on today. Following our our teaching today, uh, there are going to be two resources available. And when you uh, go out the main door over to the left, you'll find a place. And I'm going to come over and, and hang out and enjoy our time of fellowship together. I do my, most of my writing on my long flights. And, uh, and so recently, earlier this year, I released a book entitled The Winning Qualities of High Impact Leaders. I remember reading a, an author many years ago who simply said, leadership is influence. I didn't buy into it then. I don't buy into it now. Influence is not enough. If a man or woman comes, uh, uh, goes out fishing and he or she comes back and you say, well, how did you do? And, the, and you say, well, I sure influenced a bunch of them. What you want to know is did you catch any? And so the difference between what I'm talking about is not just influence but impact. And so for my time on the earth, I have made it a priority to spend time with some of the finest Christian brothers and sisters in the world. And that's the truth. And so finally, I decided to write a book entitled The Winning Qualities of High Impact Leaders. And I recommend it to you. The greatest investment you'll ever make is in yourself. The second greatest investment we'll ever make is investing into somebody else. So it's one for 15 or two for 20. And I encourage you uh, to make plans to get you a copy. And then... Uh, about two and a half years ago, we released the very first ever, the Great Commission uh, Study Bible. When it came to my attention that the body of Christ had never released a Great Commission Study Bible, that really bothered me because we are here for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Faith Assembly is a missions-giving church, amen? And, and this is the mission. 
And so we put together the very first ever Great Commission Study Bible, and it's been well received, and I recommend it to you. I know that it will enrich your life, and it will expand your life. And so I encourage you, uh, after the service, to get you a copy of the Great Commission Study Bible and a copy of the Winning Qualities of High Impact Leaders. And, you know, we do live in a, in a digital world, and when you get a chance, download the Global Church Network app, and you'll be able to keep up with what is happening globally in the body of Christ all over the world. Would you please stand with me in honor of God's Word, please? I'm going to read one verse today, Psalm 118, verse number 24. And the reason why, I, two reasons I like to stand for God's Word is, one, it is holy, and I am thankful that we can hear it, but I am thankful that we have it. The second reason I, I encourage people to stand where I, no matter where I am in the world is because of the people who've yet to get a copy of it. There are 7,000 languages yet to be translated in order for them to have access to the Bible. And I believe that this is a generation that's going to finish the Great Commission. I believe this is the generation. We are coming up on the 2,000-year birthday of the church, 10 years away. And the greatest celebration we could give in honor of the 2,000-year birthday of the church is to finish the Great Commission so that everybody has access to the gospel, everybody has a church within walking distance, and if you agree with that, say amen. amen. And that's true for every one of us in this room and those who are online. But I want to read one verse today, Psalm 118, verse 24. I'm sure that all of us know it by heart. The scripture says, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us grumble, complain all day through it. Is that how it goes? Why don't we all say it together because we all know it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And may God add his blessings upon his word today. You may be seated. For a little while today, I want to teach on life's greatest challenge. Now, I know that that is a big statement to make because we all can think of different challenges that we have past or current in our life. I believe personally that the greatest challenge in life for every one of us is to learn how to take a God-given day and turn it into a God-governed day so that we might have a God-gladdened day. Now, why do I say that that's life's greatest challenge? It's because, ladies and gentlemen, we have to do it every day. You know, there's some tests who come and they go and we think, thank God that's over with. But every day comes quickly. How can you and I, how can we take a God-given day Turn it into a God-governed day so that at the end of the day, it becomes a God-gladdened day. Now, I have pondered this for decades. Don't worry, it's not going to take decades to unpack it. But it's a philosophy of life. And I hope that you'll write down the, the main elements of it and you'll go home and put it on a four-by-six card and you'll put that four by six card on your refrigerator. You say, why should I do that? Because we go there every day. 
Some of us go more often than others. And when you go, learn it so that you might live it. Because it is God's plan for us to make this day a maximized day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. First of all, we have a provided day. God doesn't have to take life from us. All he has to do is stop giving us another day. Every one of us in this room have the same amount of time. It doesn't matter how wealthy we are. We all have the same amount of time. We all have more than 80,000 seconds, more than 1,400 minutes in this day. The reason why I'm highlighting the seconds is because when you're eating your oatmeal this morning, you're wondering, you know, how many seconds do I have today? Well, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we live. All of us get the same amount of time. Have you ever said to yourself, I wish I had more time? We've all said that from time to time. But the issue is, we don't get any extra time. It's here and it's gone. It is a provided day. The richest man in the world is, is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. His wealth is $1.3 trillion. Now, I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that is a lot of money. You know, I, I, I think I, if I trim my budget a little bit, I think I could live on it. I think I could. I think I could make it. $1.3 trillion in wealth. The richest man in the world cannot buy a minute. He can't buy a second. That's the wealth of time. How is time lost normally? Is it lost in the big things or the little things? Usually time is lost in the little things. If you have a bucket filled with sand and you accidentally turn over the bucket, you have an empty bucket. But that doesn't happen every day. But if you have a little hole in the bucket and you have it filled with sand and you walk along, eventually you'll have an empty bucket. How is time usually lost? In the little things of life. Five minutes here, 15 minutes over there, and eventually it all adds up over time. I said to a friend not too long ago, I said, you know, you ought to write a book. He said, I don't have time to write a book. My answer was, the amount of texting you do every year, you can write two books. It's where we choose to put our time. And somebody said, amen. It is a provided day. I read the story about a man who purchased a $7 million watch. I don't know what goes in a $7 million watch. I don't wear a watch. I'm not anti-watch. I just travel light. But I can tell you this. The man who purchased a $7 million watch didn't have any extra time the next day than he did the day before. It's not what you wear on your wrist. It's what you allow God to do in your heart. You can have the best day timer, but if you don't have the best heart, that big day timer is not going to make a difference to you. It may only be a minute, but eternity is in it. It's how we use the little things that will determine a great outcome in our life. 
Listen to me. If you don't like the harvest of your life, and I don't mean just finance. I mean every major area of your life. If you don't like the harvest of your life, then you've got to change the way you're sowing today. So in the future, you have a different harvest in your life. If you don't change it today, you can pray all day long. But I'm here to tell you the law of sowing and reaping will not be altered because you shed more tears at your bedside. There's got to come a time where you say, I am going to learn to discipline my life. Time does matter. The moments do matter. And I'm going to maximize my life. I'm going to make coffee nervous. I'm going to do my very best to glorify the king of the universe. Oh, we're living in a provided day. But ladies and gentlemen, not only is it a provided day, but it is a present day. He said this is the day. He didn't say this was. He didn't say this will be. He said this is the day. There are two days that can rob us of today, and that is yesterday and tomorrow. A lot of people wish for yesterday. Others worry about tomorrow, and they fail to walk in today. Now, I thank God for yesterday. I was born yesterday. I thank God for yesterday. I got married in the yesterday. I thank God for the miracles of yesterday. I thank God for the awakenings of yesterday. I thank God for the supernatural encounters of yesterday. But we don't live in yesterday. We may learn from yesterday, but we don't live in yesterday. One pastor friend said this to me, and don't miss it. He said, the worst place to be is where God was. I thank God for the was. Do you not thank God for the was? I thank God for all he's done in the was of our life. But my friend, that is prologue. That's past tense. God wants to do a miracle today. God wants to do a supernatural today. He wants to save the lost today. He wants to set a sweeping, weeping revival today. He wants to open the windows of heaven today. Thank God for yesterday. But we need to learn to enjoy today. Enjoy today. The great apostle Paul said, I let go, he said, so I can press on. I submit to you that we need to let go of past guilt. You know, once you come to know Jesus Christ, start enjoying the day of your salvation. You know, there's some people who get saved every day. I've never figured that one out. They get saved every church service. They get saved in every Wednesday night Bible study. They just get saved and get saved and get saved. I say, get saved, nail it down, and move on. There are some people who are afraid they have too much salvation, and there are some people who are afraid they don't have enough salvation. I just say, get saved, know your name written in the Lamb Book of Life, Lamb Book of Life, and move on. And enjoy the day of your salvation. Don't let the ghost of guilt this fall ruin your life. And then we got to let go of past glory. You know, it nauseates me when people take credit for what the Lord has done. If there's victories because the Lord gave it, it's not because we're smart enough, strong enough, rich enough, or because we live in so-called God bless America. If there's victories because God has given to us the victory. A dear friend of mine, Dr. Leonard Sweet and I were talking one time up in the Northeast. I was teaching his class on evangelism at Drew University, and we were out to dinner before the class. 
And he said to me, he said, what do you uh, kind of hope to achieve in the next number of years of your life? I said, I said, Lynn, I said, you know, I, I said, I hope I can help change the world a little bit. And he looked at me, he said, James, the Lord didn't call us to change it. He called us to save it. He said, James, don't forget it. Jesus came to seek and to save. Oh, I never got away from that conversation. If a man or woman is drowning in a lake or a river, they don't say, come over here and change me. They don't say, hurry over here and get, change me. They say, hurry up and save me. Now, there is a change, but it doesn't because you and I came. It's because Jesus Christ did the saving. And as a result of there was a change. And we call that the fruit of the Spirit. There is a root. There is a shoot. There is a fruit. And God wants there to be fruit in people's lives. And we don't even get the credit for the fruit. Because the Lord does the saving, and all the saving comes to changing. And somebody said, Amen. Oh, we got to let go of past glory. We got to let go of past grief. Uh, you know, many of us in this room have lost loved ones in recent times, and grief can be a bitter pill to swallow. In the 1990s, my wife and I, we, uh, we lost two children. We buried a daughter in 1991. We buried a son in 1998. Our daughter lived for six weeks. Our son lived for a day. They're buried in Springfield, Missouri. And it was difficult climbing out of that, that grave of grief. As we came into the new millennium, the Lord quickened our heart about adopting. And we were privileged, privileged Beyond words to adopt two amazing daughters from China, Priscilla and Olivia. And they're 14 and 19. My wife and my family are here today. But if we'd gotten stuck in a rut, in the grave of grief, we would have never gone to China and adopted our two precious, amazing daughters. And what I'm saying to every one of us in this room, sooner or later, grief comes to all of us. But there comes a time that you have to say, by God's grace, I'm moving on. We got to let go of past grief. We got to let go of past grudges. Has anybody ever wronged you? Anybody ever gossiped behind your back? Anybody ever pulled a power play on you at work? You said, no, that's never happened to me. Well, don't give up. Life's not over yet. Give yourself some time. <laughs> Has anybody ever undermined you? Anybody ever sent you an email that made your hair stand up on the back of your neck? Where you said, you know what, I'm going to set the record straight. Well, before you do that, you better pause. And you better ask yourself a question. Is the person I'm writing a cynic? <laughs> Is the person I'm writing a critic? If they're a cynic or a critic, I recommend you hit delete and not send that email. You say, why is that? Because once you send it, you're going to get another one. Now, if you don't have time to write the first one, do you think you have time to write the second, third, fourth, and fifth one? And before long, you've spent eight hours, nine hours, ten hours trying to solve something you're not going to solve. You have to decide how high you're going to live your life. You have to decide how high you're going to fly your kite. When I was 12 years old, my dad took his two boys, my brother and I, out to a department store that he managed in Montgomery, Alabama. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and we went to the toy department in the store, and we, uh, my dad said, why don't we put up a kite, boys? I said, well, that's great. My dad got 5,300 feet of kite string, and we came out to the parking lot, and we put that kite up one mile high. 
We put it up so high we couldn't see the kite. We could just feel the tug on the kite. And I never got it. You can determine how high you're going to fly your kite. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, in any given day, we can fly with eagles or we can walk with scorpions. It is our decision that we're going to live a life that is pleasing to the king of the universe. To the king of the universe. We're just going to have to let go of some things. You can't drag the past in every day. And then what about tomorrow? And I realize there's nobody in this building that worries about tomorrow. That's the church down the street. But there are some believers who bring the burdens of tomorrow into today and they wonder why they are out of breath. God didn't call us to live two days at once. I realize sometimes it's difficult not to bring the stuff of tomorrow into today. But ladies and gentlemen, the Lord said he'd give us enough grace for the day. He'd give us enough strength for the day. He didn't say he'd give us enough strength and grace for both days. He said he'd give enough for today. And sometimes our temptation is we start thinking about the stuff that's coming down the road and we roll it into the day and then we don't sleep well, we don't live well, we're not happy, we're not joyful because we're bringing tomorrow into today. I understand God planned our salvation before the world began. I understand that we have to plan, make plans ahead. I understand all that. But ladies and gentlemen, there are some people who worry constantly, continually fearful and anxious, and that's why they don't have the joy of the Lord in their life today. Some time ago, a man walked into work, and when he came into work, he was humming, and he had a spring in his step. His colleague looked at him, and he said, what happened to you? For six months, I've seen you drag in here. For six months, I've watched you how you've been so down in the dumps, worried and fearful. What happened to you? He said, well, they opened up a new business, downtown Orlando, and it's a very unique kind of business. He said, well, what kind of business is it? Well, they hire professional warriors there. They, they're the best people who know how to worry and and so I signed a contract with them so I go by every morning before I come here now and I tell them what I'm worried about I tell them what I'm anxious about and now they worry for me now they anxious for me and so now that's why I'm so happy he said well how much does that cost he said well it costs a thousand dollars a month well how are you gonna pay for that that's their worry man that's not my worry don't you wish we had somebody we could take our worries to, our anxieties to? I'm here to tell you we do. He is the king of the universe. He's the king of the universe. He says, come unto me, those who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not rest from work, but rest while you work. Amen. Oh, it's a present day, but it's also a priceless day he says this is the day he doesn't say this is a day he says this is the day now i don't know how many days have been ahead of this one i don't know how many days are going to be after this one you say well this could be the the last day no there's still a millennial reign of christ coming up that's a thousand years so i know the sun's going to go up and down at least another thousand years so don't worry about it it's going to be all right but I don't know how many days there have been in the past. I don't know how many more days are going to be in the future. But there's only one day like today. 
Now listen, if you can learn to live your life in the day, then the rest of the days will make sense. It is a priceless day. We have homeschooled Olivia and Priscilla. We were homeschooling them before the pandemic, so things didn't change in our house when the pandemic came. People said, what are you going to do about school? It's going to be the same thing tomorrow as it was yesterday. And so homeschooling has its privileges also. And, but another thing, because we've been involved in homeschooling, from time to time, as a family, we all travel together. And have traveled overseas together, different things. About five years ago, we were launching a hub in Amsterdam. And a hub synergizes the best relationships to the Word of Fulfillment of the Great Commission. And, and there are 93 hubs today in the network. And we're on pace for 200 hubs by 2022. And the Lord tarries 800 hubs by 2030. And so we were there to launch a hub. And afterwards, we were going to do some sightseeing as a family. Different locations and and one of the priorities, a couple of priorities that are usually on my list when, when we're going to go do some sightseeing is um, uh, I like to visit museums. It's true. And another thing that I do from time to time is I'll visit particular cemeteries. You say, well, James, that doesn't sound very exciting. Well, you know, the latest statistic on death is one out of one. You do understand that, right? The latest statistic is one out of one. That's going to impact every one of us in this room. So you might as well get comfortable about cemeteries because the stats are not for you. And, and so, but there's a lot of greatness in cemeteries. But, but I take my girls. I love taking them to museums. We went to the Gutenberg Museum and uh, right outside Frankfurt. That's where the Gutenberg Bible is. The best Bible ever printed was there. Not only that, not only the Gutenberg Bible, but also the Gutenberg Printing Press. Big, pretty big deal. Not a big cemetery, but a big deal. And... And then we went over to the Louvre Museum because we wanted to see the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa. Um, you know, museum means a place to think. Amuse means no thing. When you put an A in front of muse, it means no thing. Amuse is no thing. Museum means a place to think. Amusement park is where you go not to think. A museum is where you go to think. When you go to the amusement park, the lines are long, but the museum's lines are short because people don't like to think. Uh, the ticket prices are low at the museums, but the, where you don't think, the ticket prices are high. I'm just giving you something to think about. <laughs> so I, I love taking my girls to museums because we want to think. And the Bible says, as a person thinks. And so we wanted to see the Mona Lisa. Now, the Mona Lisa is priceless. Why is it priceless? Because of its creator. Why is it priceless? Because of its quantity. There's one. Why is it priceless? Because of its quality. It's magnificent. And so it doesn't matter who you are in the world. You cannot purchase a Mona Lisa. It is beyond currency. It is a priceless item. Why? Because of its creator, because of its quantity, and because of its quality. Have you ever given a gift to somebody and you felt like they didn't appreciate the gift? Maybe you saved up some extra money. And maybe you made it yourself and you worked an extra job to, to give a gift. And later you saw the gift mistreated. Have you ever done that? Been, been there, done that? Sure we have. Maybe you saw the gift on the floor. Maybe you saw the cat dragging it across the floor. Maybe you saw the dog shaking it back and forth out in the front yard. Maybe it was left in the middle of the rain. And you didn't say anything, but in your heart you felt like, well, you know, you just don't really value the gift that I gave you. Because you made it and you gave it to them. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if the Mona Lisa is beyond currency because of its creator and quantity and quality, I want to ask all of us in this room and all of us online this question. What is the value of this day?
If the Mona Lisa is beyond currency, what is the value of this day? This day was created by God. How many gods are there? One. How many days are like today? One. What is the quality? Wow, it's beyond imagination. And I wonder if God every once in a while says, look how you mismanage it. Look how you mistreat it. Look how you drag it along. And you don't value the day that God has given to you. Think about it with me. This is a priceless day. So how do we handle priceless days? I'm glad you asked. We start with prayer. We give the day back to God. One of the traditions I have when I travel is before I get started in my day, I sit on the edge of my bed before I put the feet, my feet on the floor, and I thank God for the day. I thank God for the night's rest. I ponder the day, and I give the day back to God. Then you have to prioritize your day. You can't do everything. You can't be everywhere. You can't, you've got to learn to say what's important and what's not important. And there's a difference between things that are urgent and things that are important. And usually the things you neglect that are important eventually become urgent. And God doesn't just want us to live an urgent life. He wants us to live an important life. And ladies and gentlemen, good things become bad things when they keep us in the best things that God has planned for us. I'm not just trying to live a good life. I want to live the best life possible. Good things become bad things when they keep me from the best that God has for me. I don't want to just read the good books. I want to read the best books. I don't want to just read, have good relationships. I want to have the best possible relationships. We have to learn to prioritize our life. Show me a man or woman's checkbook and calendar and I can write the priorities of their life. And then we have to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, redeem the time in an evil age in Ephesians 5. And then he says the next verse, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, redeem the time in an evil age. Then he says, walk continuously in the Spirit. You say, what does that have to do with the redeeming of time? It has everything because then you'll be doing the things that you should be doing and you won't be wasting the time in the things you should not be doing and you'll be redeeming the time in an evil age. This is how we handle priceless days. It is a provided day. It's a present day. It's a, it's a priceless day, but it is a providential day. Don't miss it. He said, this is the day of the Lord. He said, the Lord is in the day. Is the Lord in your day? When you get up in the morning, who do you see first? Do you check your email first or you check in with God first? Is the Lord in your day? Did you know the fastest growing church in the world today is in the nation of Iran? When the revolution happened 39 years ago, there was around a million Christians. Today, there are 2 million Christians in Iran. 2 million Christians in Iran. And our brothers and sisters, I said our brothers and sisters got up today. And many of them said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. How could they say that? Because the Lord is in their day. There are 108 million Christians in China today. 45,000 a day are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in China. But in communist China, brothers and sisters got up today and said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it because the Lord is in their day. You got to put the Lord in the day. He says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us. You got to have the Lord and you have to have an us. 
Do you have an us in your day? Who are you doing day with? Make a list of the closest friends in your life, for that's where you're going to be five years from now. If you don't like the picture of that future, get some new friends and build up your life the way God has called you to live. He says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The secret is to seeing the Lord in every day. But quickly and last, it's a passing day. He says, this is the day the Lord has made. It's here, but it's not. It's an, it's an is, but it's a has. It started, but it's quickly passing by. I remember my mother saying to me one time when I was a very young boy, said, Jimmy, as you get older, Time will go faster. I wanted to say to my mother, did they have dinosaurs when you were a child? Will we live long enough for the next Christmas? But as I got older, time has gone faster. James says in his epistle, ladies and gentlemen, that we're like vapor. Here, gone. You have a little less vapor today than you did yesterday. You just don't know how much vapor you got left. Gone. It's an is, but it's a has. You know, you can't borrow time. You can't take time. You can't give time. You can't loan time. You can't put time in a bottle. You can't put time in a bank. You can either use time or lose time. It's here. And it's gone. It's hard to believe. September 1 is this coming week. Before long, it's Christmas if the Lord tarries. Before long, another decade will be gone. Whatever we're going to be, whatever we're going to do, we need to get started now. Don't kick the can of time down the road of life. I tell my two girls, you have to learn to trade. Trade the good for the best, this for that. Trade up instead of down. Because life is made up of that all throughout the entirety of your life. By the mile, it's a trial. By the yard, it's hard. By an inch, it's a cinch. God-sized vision, bite-sized pieces. You got a vision in your heart, turn it into a goal by putting a date to it. You want to be a better mom or dad, get started today. You want to be better in your thinking, read a better book today. You want to memorize the New Testament, well, start with the smallest verse, Jesus wept. You want to lose some weight? Change your diet today. Take a walk this afternoon. I love walks in the sunset time of the day. You want to add greater value to people's life? Become more valuable in your own life. Don't show up to get. Show show up to give. You want to be a soul winner? You ought to call somebody, write somebody today. 
You want to be a prayer warrior? Then learn how to pray today. You say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. No, tomorrow never comes. Because when it gets here, it'll be today. So we get started today. If you're here today and you used to have a red heart on fire for the Lord, but you've slipped, slided away, you need to rededicate your heart and life today. Don't allow your heart to become so hardened that you can drive a car across it. The same sun that melts wax hardens cement. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, whether online or on ground, give your heart to Jesus Christ today. For this is the day of salvation. I only have one life to live, but if I had 10,000 lives to live, I would give all of them to Jesus Christ. On July 15, 1973, B.C. stands for before computer, I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'll never forget that morning. It was the first time I recognized I was a sinner. I was 12 years old. I walked to that altar. I gave my heart. I got up, and I've been following Jesus Christ ever since. And if I had 10,000 lives, I would do it all over again. Not because heaven is a bonus, but because without Jesus, life is not living at all. Oh, my friend, this is the day. I remember in 1984 reading a poem that spoke so deeply to my heart, and I want you to see it today. I have pondered this poem for 36 years. When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall be traveling on, time gone. Whatever we're going to be, we need to start being. Whatever we're going to do, we need to get started today. Some, God has put a business in your heart. Get started. For some, God has spoken to you about a person. Get with it. Because time waits for no one. This is our moment. This is the church's greatest day. It's our day. It's our moment. We are the, have the greatest opportunity in the midst of this pandemic challenge. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering today? So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I know it's a little after 1230. Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. This could be the last sermon I'll ever preach. That's why I don't ever want to leave anything on the table. This could be the last day you'll live. You say, well, I feel good. Healthy people die every day. All I know is this is the day the Lord's given me. I've got to put the Lord in the middle of my day, get the right people in my life, and there's going to be a lot of rejoicing and gladness. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this sacred moment in time that will never be repeated ever again. There are some underneath the sound of my voice. You have slip-slided away. Jesus Christ is not in the center of your life. Your time and treasure reflect it. You used to be there, but you're not there today. The cares of life have gotten a hold of you. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're right here in this building. 
Maybe you're at one of the uh, online campuses, but you have drifted away. The greatest sin, don't miss it now, is not rejection, but neglecting. How shall we escape if we neglect? The answer is no, we will not. If you once walked with the Lord, but you are neglecting him today, and you're neglecting your salvation, you're, you're like a boat without a rudder, and you're going to head for catastrophe. But you can settle today. You can say, no way, that's not me. I'm recommitting my life today, this day to the Lord. And then there are others, you've never followed the Lord. You've thought about it, you've pondered it, but you, this is your day. And you're here today and say, James, I'm going to dedicate my life to Jesus Christ like you did when you were a young guy. I, but I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ for the very first time today. In a moment, I'm going to give us opportunity, whether you're online or here or at one of the campuses. You're here today and say, James, that's me. I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I have so drifted away. I, I am. I, I've drifted so far away. I'm not where I used to be. I know it. But I want to come back front and center. I want to realign my life to the Lord. You want to rededicate your life, Lord, and you want to dedicate your life for the very first time. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand in this sacred gathering. You slip it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Just lift your hand high. This will, thank you. So just lift your hand high. I'm looking across the sanctuary. Just lift your hand. You say, James, that's me. There you go. Just thank you, sir, in the balcony. Just lift your hand high. This will be right back down. After you do, you can put it right back down. I see their hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. And those online, same thing. This is your moment in time. This is your moment in time. Now I want to speak to the rest of us as our eyes are closed in this sacred gathering. None of us, myself included, none of us can redo yesterday. The point of this message is not to think about yesterday or last year or last decade and say, I sure would have, could have, would have. No, 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 no. That's prologued. There's not a thing we can do about those things way back there. But everything from this point onward, we can do. And so this is the starting point of the rest of our life. We can't, we can't live in yesterday, but if we live squarely and clearly today, I'm here to tell you the path will change in the days ahead. And my prayer is God help me to maximize each day, each day. Help me to maximize it each day to the best of my God-given ability. And in a moment, I'm going to ask for a show of hands of men and women throughout this sacred gathering who are willing to say, Lord, this day going forward, I ask for you to help me to maximize each day to the best of my ability for your glory and for your honor. And I promise you, based upon God's Word, if you will give every day to God and you just get underneath His authority and start living it out, you will see a dramatic difference in how you live your life, how you plan your life, how to use the time that God's given you, and you will see a phenomenal change in your life. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. And if you're here today and say, James, I want to do my best to maximize my life with God's help every day going forward. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And my hand is going to be the first one that's going to go up today. One, two, three. I want you to just lift your hand. Just keep it up. There are no big shots here today. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the hands that are lifted in this sacred gathering. 
You realize, Lord, our talents, our, our abilities. You understand who we are. You understand what we can do, what we can't do. You understand some of the things we're up against. Lord, we, we, you know every aspect about us. But today, Lord, we're asking you to do a mighty work in every one of our hearts. And God will be careful to give you the praise and the glory for all of it. We thank you, Lord, you hear our petition and our prayer in this moment of time. Lord, we thank you for, for the dawning of a new day in our heart and in our life. And we believe, oh God, that you're going to order our steps and our stops and give us great success in the days ahead. Now I'm going to ask you to look at me just for a second. And amen, they're going to lead us in a simple praise and worship. And when they do, I'm going to invite you to come. And I realize we've been doing physical distancing. I understand that. And so that some can come all the way down here. Some of you may only want to take three steps and get in the aisle nearby. But let me tell you what I want to encourage us to do is to take a few steps of faith in the right direction. And as we do, ask God, God, I'm asking you now to order all the steps of my life from this day forward. Each day forward, I want you to order the steps of my life. I'm going to be right down here in the front, and I'm going to invite you to come as close as you can. And I believe God's going to meet us in a special way right here. Would you lead us very quickly? And as they lead us, I want you to come. Hallelujah. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I will build my life upon Hallelujah. 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 Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. short steps forward. Say, Lord, I'm taking some steps in the right direction. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, order our steps. Order our thoughts. Order our life. Lord, let us be in step with what you have for us. Oh, as a family, as a person, as a church. Oh, we give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. 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 We love you. Hallelujah. 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 Praise be to the Lord. today, Lord. We claim it today. This is your day, Lord. We're living in your day. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Pastor Carl, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. We praise thank you, God. God. Thank you, uh, James, for this incredible word and stirring our heart, not just for the day, but as we look ahead to, to the next day. Praise God. We're not going to have a formal dismissal. The greatest thing those of you in this altar could do, the greatest thing all of you in this building and those online could do this day is to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray and ask that you do that all over this building and wherever you are watching. So as I said, we're not going to have a general dismissal. Those of you in the altar, feel free to linger here as Pastor John and the team lead us. And if you would like to make your way down here just for your own commitment, God bless you richly. Have a great day and a rest of the week.
there is none beside you. 